This is the Smart Passive Income Podcast with Pat Flynn, session number 194. Let's do it. Welcome to the Smart Passive Income Podcast, where it's all about working hard now so you can sit back and reap the benefits later. And now your host. He's one of the top buyers of Post-it Notes. Pat Flynn. Now, as you know, I've been in the podcasting space for quite a long time now, and I've had a lot of success with the multiple shows and, and episodes and even the courses I've created. Part of my success is due to how particular I've been in the tools that I use, and one of my favorite tools is Buzzsprout. For those of you who are not familiar with Buzzsprout, you need to be, because if you have a podcast or you're looking to start one, Buzzsprout is by far the easiest way to start podcasting, and they're making it even easier. This is a podcast host, and it allows you to get listed on all the top directories, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, et cetera. I use it myself. They've provided advanced stats for us now so that you can track your podcast downloads and understand exactly what things are happening with your show, which is really key, right? Just there's not a lot of data that uh, a lot of tools give us access to, and Buzzsprout is some of the best. They'll even help you build a website for your podcast so your audience can easily find you online and listen to all the episodes right from your site too, if, even if you don't have a website. On the technical side, this is one of the coolest things I've seen in a while. Through the host, Buzzsprout, you can automatically optimize your audio through their newest feature, Magic Mastering. So Magic Mastering is like an Instagram filter, but for your audio. And it takes the audio you have and just automatically masters it to match the Apple Podcast authoring best practices. It's totally awesome. Just, I love them because not only is it just a super easy tool to use, but I know the team there. They are the sponsor of this episode. And I wanted to make sure you got to know who they are because they're, they're a great tool. And if you're just starting out with Buzzsprout, you can actually get a special deal. Their plans start at $12 a month. Buzzsprout is a wonderful partner of mine and, you know, you can actually get 33% more time on your plan, whichever plan you choose, just through this link alone. And that's smartpassiveincome.com slash buzzsprout. And that's a huge deal, 33% extra time on your plan just by going through that link. You can claim that again by going to smartpassiveincome.com slash buzzsprout. Check them out, they're awesome. What's up, everybody? Thank you so much for joining me today in session 194 of the Smart Passive Income Podcast. This is the last podcast episode in a series of three that I've created to help you understand the different types of passive income you can generate online. Now, I've created this episode or this series of episodes a long time ago, back in 2011. A lot of the information is still relevant. However, I wanted to create something more updated for you, and I'm really excited because we're gonna round this off with a great show. I've already talked about in part one, session 192, a lot of the foundational items that you need in order to succeed online. So if you haven't listened to that yet, I recommend you listen to that first, actually, if you have the time to go back and listen to that one. Episode 192, you can easily access that by just scrolling down a couple episodes in iTunes if you're listening on iTunes or on Stitcher, or by going to smartpassiveincome.com slash session 192. In part two, we talked about affiliate marketing, advertising, writing eBooks, and also creating online courses that you could sell on your website. And uh, that is all in episode 193. So you can check that out at smartpassiveincome.com slash session 193. Today, we're gonna talk about membership websites. We're gonna talk about software, different kinds of software you can create from apps to SaaS, which is software as a service, uh, digital goods. We're also gonna talk about how you can make passive income through coaching and consulting and freelancing and doing things that traditionally are more of a trade time for money type thing into a invest time up front to make money in the long term. Again, putting up that work up front to reap the benefits later. And we're going to talk about how to do that too. So 
really excited because we're going to start with membership websites, which I feel has been traditionally in the online space, kind of the, the holy grail of passive income. And the reason for that is because it kind of combines the idea of an online course, a way for you to teach kind of a class online with recurring income. Recurring income is the holy grail of passive income because you are getting a set amount based on the number of users you have or students you have or people who are m members uh, every single month. And the thing is, for example, if you were to make $10 per member for 100 members on that first month, you would be getting $1,000, right? And this is just, you know, don't worry about the pricing or the number of students. This is just used for an example. So 100 members in at that first month after you launch your membership website at $10 a month, you're making $1,000 that first month. Well, next month you make another uh, 100 students, you get 100, another 100 students in there. Well, you get another $1,000 from those students, but you've already had 100 students in the course who are paying you monthly also. So by the second month, you'd have 2,000. And then third month, maybe you add another 100 students, and then you add another 1,000 to that recurring monthly payment. So you'd be, you'd be making $3,000 a month at that point, and it just continues to grow at that point. Now, of course, there's a lot of things involved with that in terms of retention rate and churn, meaning how many people don't continue to pay monthly. And there's a lot of advice and, and tips I can and strategies I can give you to increase that likelihood that people are going to keep paying. And I'll tell you more about that in a second. But let's just talk about this idea of a membership website because, you know, this passive income thing is, is very, very, very attractive, but it's also very, very difficult to command, especially in a membership website where in order to charge a recurring fee in order to charge people monthly or quarterly or biannually or annually or whatever, you need to give people a reason to do that. Now, when we get into the software segment of this particular episode, you're going to see that it's much easier to do it with a software because people want to continue to use that software to help them achieve whatever it is that software helps them achieve. With the membership website, for example, you're going to have to give people a reason to keep coming back. Now, it could be just access to you. You're giving people access to you through sort of monthly calls and coaching calls and group calls and that sort of thing, Q&A sessions. You're also getting people interested in coming back every month because of new content that you keep producing. So you're going to have to continue, continually pump content. So as passive as it might sound, it's, it's not absolutely passive, but nothing is absolutely passive, like I mentioned in the first of this series of episodes in 192. But you can make things more passive than others, of course. And the idea here is, again, we're creating ways to create flexibility and freedom in our lives. Nothing is something you could just set forever and forget. But with a membership site, more so than an online course, for example, that is just static and already set with its finite amount of information, a membership website, you're going to have to continually keep updating or else people are just going to drop out. They're going to ask themselves when they get that next bill every month, well, why am I still in here? I'm not, I haven't gotten anything new or I've already seen everything. Why do I need to continue paying? So that's one of the downfalls of a membership website that a lot of people don't even realize is that you have to keep people interested in coming back in order for having them, in order to have them continue to keep paying month after month or whatever the, the fee is and how often you charge. There's other things that you could include like certain exclusive content that, that is not necessarily videos or coursework, but just certain things that people get access to that people on maybe your website publicly don't get access to. So you can be creative with what you can do to keep people in monthly, but there's a lot of other things that you could do to keep people in too. For example, if you know, and hopefully you, you'd be keeping track, there are a lot of different types of software out there that you can use. I mentioned these on the previous episode, but I'll mention them to you again. The one that people are traditionally using on their website, if they have a WordPress website, is WP Wishlist, which is uh, called Wishlist Member, a membership site plugin. 
that allows you to restrict certain access to certain pages, but also integrates with a lot of other tools, including forum tools and things like that. I'll talk about a forum or a community within that particular membership website in just a second, because that's extremely important for retention rate. There's also Zippy Courses by Derek Halpern, smartpassiveincome.com slash Zippy Courses. I've used that one as well, and it's also very easy to use, but that's more of an online course thing as opposed to a membership website, although you could integrate that into something that becomes a membership website. And there's also one called Teachable that you could also explore too. Now let's talk about this forum or community aspect. Memberships often come with a community, not just online memberships, but when you're, whenever you're a member of something, there's, there's typically ways that people in charge of that membership get people involved through monthly meetings or events or anything like that. And you can do the same thing on your website. And actually, this is a huge value add for people. A lot of people enter for the content and stick around for the community. And this is exactly what I experienced when I joined Internet Business Mastery Academy back in 2008. I experienced the same thing. I joined for the content and once I've, I've absorbed everything and put things into action and found success, I stayed. I stayed in because of the community and the people that were there and the relationships that I built. And so that's one big thing that I would recommend you include in your membership website if you wanted to succeed and become something that people would continue to pay for because people will continue to pay for those relationships that they've built within your membership website. The opportunities to connect and network with people and also get advice and create mastermind groups and also just feed, get feedback and share uh, advice with each other in there too. Now there's a number of different ways to do this. You could integrate a forum plugin. There's a lot of uh, plugins out there from BuddyPress to vanilla forums and you can have those included in your member, membership website itself or you can include access to a secret Facebook group which is what I know a lot of people do and uh, it's a little bit easier to manage. However, not everybody is on Facebook, uh, as ridiculous as that might sound. Some of you aren't, and that's okay. I mean, kudos to you. You actually probably get stuff done during the day because uh, Facebook is definitely a distractor for a lot of people, including myself sometimes. But let's get back to it. Membership website, having coursework in there, access to certain videos, access to you know interviews with people in your space that aren't available on your website, access to exclusive content, and again, you're going to have to continually add stuff or give people a reason to stick around. Uh, a lot of people do monthly calls or weekly calls or what people call office hours, sometimes digital office hours, which are pretty cool. But you're also going to have to include some sort of community in order for it to really succeed. No, you don't have to, but I feel like you do because it's going to be a bigger value add to your audience. Now, here's the thing. The thing you have to watch out for is when you create this form, the worst thing that can happen is have it be a dead man's land, have it be a ghost town. Because when people see a forum and it's inactive, it's just not gonna look good. And so you wanna get people involved, you want to prompt certain questions, you'll want to get people to go in there and introduce themselves immediately after they join your course. That way they start to get used to getting in there and meeting people and getting involved in the community. And if possible, I would recommend having a community manager because that takes on a life of its own, the community within your membership website. And again, it's very important to have because it keeps people in, but it needs to be active in order for it to do that. And uh, the people over at Fizzle, Corvette, Chase, and also Barrett, they do a good job and they've hired a community manager within their form at the uh, in fizzle.co, which is an online community of people who are learning about online business 
they have a great community and they keep things active because they have somebody in there that's that's their purpose is to keep it active and keep people happy and answer questions. It's when you get to a point where you're trying to do everything yourself, you're trying to figure out what kind of content to continue to add into the membership website, plus keep the forums active, plus answer everybody's question. And then you miss some questions and people feel bad because their questions didn't even get looked at and how do they know if it's involved and then they get that monthly bill and then they just don't sign up again because they felt let down. And so just beware that when you create a forum or have some sort of community, you really want it to be a community and that's when it's going to really help you too. So it could go either way and just things to know, things to make sure you keep attention to uh, before you get into it. So hopefully that helps you. Some other cool, tricky things you can do, uh, not really tricky things, but just smart things to do to keep people happy in your community is to give them special access to things that you don't give to other people publicly. For instance, if you are going to an event, you might throw a special meetup. You might rent out a restaurant and bring all your members in who are in that area to come and hang out and meet each other. That's gonna uh, really help people with the, with wanting to stick around because they're gonna meet people in person and develop these relationships, not just with you, but with other people too. Also giving them just little thank you notes and, and cards every once in a while. I think this is uh, something that John Lee Dumas does when people even uh, as soon as they sign up to become, to become a member of one of his groups, uh, he sends them something and just it just helps out. It's just a really nice small gesture. It doesn't even have to be huge sometimes like an event for your people. Sometimes it's just a matter of just taking a little bit of extra time. And when people know that you're taking a little bit of extra time out of your day to make sure they're okay, it's, it's going to mean a lot and it's going to help them stick around. Another thing you could do is if you're keep tra- if you're keeping track of the retention rate and the churn and you know when bill- billing cycles happen or you know, for example, that people drop off at the three-month mark, they stick around for three months and then typically they drop off. If that's the average, then you can include some things even in an automated fashion that happen at the two-and-a-half-month mark or maybe 10 days before that typical drop-off period. You send them something amazing that makes them really excited so that when that bill period comes at the point at which they would typically drop off, they won't. So keep those things in mind moving forward. If you do go into a membership website and you are going to be charging a recurring fee, uh, those are some things you can do to make sure that you don't get people dropping off. Also, make sure to pay attention to credit card expiration dates. I know this is an issue that a lot of people who have membership sites have, especially on the recurring income side of it because you know eventually our credit cards expire and if they expire if there isn't a process involved for people to get their new credit card billing information updated then you're going to lose that customer and it's it's a waste because they would probably like to continue if they didn't choose to remove themselves on their own but if their credit if their credit card expires then it's going to mean it's going to take a lot of uh, work for them to get back in after that credit card expires so catch them before that And again, there's a lot of different pieces of software or automated systems you can use and create to make that happen uh, on your end. So that's what we're going to talk about for membership websites, a good overview and a good introduction and some tips for you there if you are running one already or if you are about to run one or thinking of running one for your audience too. Continuing on the talk and topic of recurring income, let's talk about software. Software is an amazing Amazing solution if you are able to build some piece of software to help a particular audience, and we'll talk more about how to find that audience and what to do and what kinds of things work and what kinds of things don't, this this is also another uh, path toward recurring revenue. Um, not all software has recurring revenue. 
I know and I've purchased and I have created software that has been a one-time fee and that's fine. But it also gives you a good opportunity if somebody were to continue to use that piece of software and need to use it, it would be a perfect solution for you to build that sort of passive income model. And then the more users you have, the, the more recurring income you're going to get. And so there's a lot of great examples out there. Now I did create an iPhone app company with my uh, high school buddy back in 2009, and that was actually very successful. We created a lot of silly applications that were based off of a lot of inspiration from Joel Calm, actually, who created, uh, it's, this is gonna sound ridiculous, but um, you might remember an app called iFart, and this app would just make funky noises, and uh, we were like, what? Like, how could this person make a million dollars? Because he really did make a million dollars from that app. It was a 99 cent app, and it was the number one app, I think, that, uh, that, Christmas in um, 2008, and we got pretty inspired by that. And so we decided to create our own app company. We outsourced the design of over 25 different applications. Uh, some of them didn't make any money at all, and some of them made uh, tens of thousands and hundreds of thousands of dollars. And over time, that business has sort of just died out because we've both had other things to do, and I've been focusing on smart passive income and a lot of these other things that I'm focusing on right now, and he's been focusing on his own business too. But those apps are still generating you know, over six years now, you know, at least a thousand bucks a month, but for a while it was generating over, you know, 40 and 50 grand a month, which is, which is pretty awesome. But I don't really want to talk about iPhone applications. I would just want to talk about software in general. And there's a certain process that you can use to, to build it in a certain way. And no matter if you're building iPhone apps or SaaS or any, any other kinds of digital uh, software products. But before that, I do want to tell you a story. And this story involves a hard $15,000 lesson that I learned. And this involves me getting really excited about watching a couple of my other friends create software. Had a couple friends in the online space who were creating WordPress plugins. WordPress is a blogging platform that you can use to build your blog. And it comes with uh, the ability to create plugins. There's a lot of free plugins you can use. You probably use a lot of them already if you have a website. And there's uh, the ability to upload custom plugins that other people have created. And these plugins allow you to achieve certain things on your website that might be harder to do or code on your own. You just literally plug and play these plugins and that's why they're called plugins and they do that thing for you. Now, I saw my two friends do this and they sold these plugins as premium WordPress plugins for the WordPress blogging platform and they were making six figures a month six figures a month. And I watched them go through this whole process. They were showing me the numbers. They were showing me the development process. And I got really excited because I got to follow their journey along with them and see how well they were both doing. Two different kinds of plugins, two different people. They didn't even know each other. And it was really cool. And I, I was like, wow, I want to do that too. It seems like there's a lot of money in this. So that was my motivator was there's a lot of money in this. And so as every, uh, as in, in my experience, every, Thing I've done that that has been the primary motivator for has failed and this is another one of those examples so I built actually two WordPress plugins I just rushed into it didn't really know what I was doing or even getting myself into but I found a company that was going to be able to build these WordPress plugins for me and I said I want this plugin done I wanted to do this and I want this plugin done I wanted to do this and that's really all I told them and then a couple of weeks later after a few thousand dollars uh, through that process I got the plugins back and they weren't anything like I had imagined. And then there was a lot more back and forth, a lot of frustration, a lot of stress. Uh, finally, I got something that, that was a final product and even in the end, I was just like, you know what, this was actually a terrible idea. The other one just was never finished. And so after spending $15,000 total across the whole board, 
passing back and forth these these messages and these iterations that just weren't working, uh, I realized that software wasn't right for me at that time. And there were a lot of hard lessons learned. The, the big hard lessons were, um, you know, don't rush into it because you're going to need to do a lot of things beforehand to make sure that it's something that you really want to do. You need to make sure you are creating something that people are actually going to want to use. You don't just create something because you think it's something that you want to create. You don't just create something because you think it's something people will use. You want to know beforehand that it is something people are going to want you to use. And for me, part of the problem was I wanted to keep it a big secret because I wanted to just release it and launch it and surprise everybody on day one of launch. And in doing so, I wasn't able to have those conversations that are so important where other people can help you poke holes in your idea so you can fill in those holes or go a different direction or actually serve your audience in the way that you need to be serving them. So that was the first lesson. Second lesson was I was doing two at the same time. I mean, what the heck was I thinking? How was I supposed to even do one and rush into it without knowing what I was doing, let alone do two? And so that confused things and just made things, you know, obviously I was doing it for the wrong reasons. I just, I was, I was money hungry and that was wrong. And again, I wasn't, I wasn't trying to serve my audience. I was only trying to serve myself. And then the third mistake was the lack of communication and the skills I had to communicate properly with what I wanted to happen with my developer. The developer did his job. I didn't do my job. I expected my developer to understand everything that was in my head when how could I do that if I didn't even understand everything that was going through my head? So if you are going to get into software, the most important thing you have to understand is what it is that you want to create. And that is going to be largely based off of the feedback from your audience and survey questions and beta testers and all that sort of stuff and getting people to look at, you know, a wireframe essentially. And that's what you want to create. You want to create a wireframe, uh, something that people can hold or look at, or it's, it's essentially a prototype of what it is that you're going to create so you can get direct feedback on what that is. And after you move it around, switch it around and mold it and uh, adjust it in the way it needs to be for that particular audience that you're hopefully speaking to while you're creating this, then you have something that you can give to your developer and there will be nothing lost in translation. It will be exactly what it needs to be because they will see it. This, when people click on this, it goes here. When people push this button or tap this button, this is what happens on this screen. And from that screen, this is these are the elements on that page. You don't need to be an expert Photoshopper or anything like that. There's a lot of tools out there to help you with wireframing certain applications, but you could also just hand draw it, free draw it. Any little bit of drawing helps. And literally you wanna create a wireframe of what you're creating all the way through. And the cool thing that happens when you do that is not only the end product is something you could give to a developer who will not be able to be so confused as if you were to just tell him what you wanted or, or her what you wanted, but the other thing is through the wireframing process, you are able to discover on your own or with your team if you're doing this with other people, what's missing or what needs to be added or things that you didn't even think about. For example, there were a lot of instances in this where I didn't even think about what the back end of the WordPress plugin looked like. I, I knew what I wanted it to do, but I didn't think of, okay, well, what, what settings do I want people to have? What options do I want to give people? And what do I want those to look like? Do I want it to be a drop-down menu? Do I want it to be a radio button? There's so many things that I would have been able to understand if I drew it out as opposed to just set it in an email. So that's, that's another thing. And then in terms of communication, we were communicating back and forth via email. Well, there's a lot of great tools that you can use out there to communicate with your team members, whether it's a developer for an app or a software or 
people on your team who are helping you with your information products or, or content, whatever, what have you. And the number one recommended tool I can give you is Slack, S-L-A-C-K. It's sort of like a chat room that allows you to create specific channels and also at reply people, similar to how you can on Twitter and create private groups. It just allows you to segment your workload and what your team's doing into different projects or channels and to easily communicate on those particular topics within those channels. And then also go back into the archives and search for certain conversations. It just cuts out email so much. I've converted Michael Hyatt into this this software. Uh, I, I've converted so many people into Slack, and um, you know I heard it. I heard about it from the guys over at Fizzle, I believe, and it's just been a huge game changer in terms of, in terms of communication. So I recommend that for everybody. And I actually have a great deal for you if you go to smartpassiveincome.com/slash/slack. You'll get a hundred dollars in in free credit. So again, that's smartpassiveincome.com/slash/slack. Now let's continue the software talk. Another thing to worry about with software and something that I quickly understood over time was the fact that it could be very easy to feature vomit, as they call it, on your applications. Meaning it's really easy to say, oh, it should have this and then should have this feature. It should be this and this and this and this and this and all these different things in it. And over time, it just becomes this Frankenstein contraption that nobody knows how to use. It doesn't even do what you wanted it originally to do because you had all these other ideas come in that on the surface and individually, they look great, but combined into this solution that you're providing for your audience or your target customer or your avatar just becomes a mess. And so my recommendation to you is to start simple. Be simple, start simple, focus on creating that one solution for that one problem, and then you could branch out from there. There's an episode of the Smart Passive Income Podcast that is the most downloaded episode of all time. And if you are getting into software, I highly recommend you listen to it. Actually, I would demand that you listen to it. It's at smartpassiveincome.com slash session 46. This is episode 46 of the Smart Passive Income Podcast featuring Dane Maxwell. And in that episode, he talks about how with no connections from scratch, you can figure out what kinds of software to create. And this is where the whole idea of, okay, well, figuring out who needs this software before you build it, before you instead build it and try to force people into it, you are going to, through the teaching in this particular episode, again, smartpassiveincome.com slash session 46, you're gonna learn how to idea extract. What that means is, for instance, you might be calling different small businesses or even talking to them locally around your area. And you can ask them certain questions like, well, what's something you do every day that you absolutely hate doing? What's something that you dread doing that you have to do for your business? If you had a magic wand, it can change something right now with no limits, what would it be? And those answers, and you keep going deeper and deeper asking why you feel this way or what is it about that that you hate, you will discover certain software opportunities for you to create solutions for those people and those specific problems that they're telling you. There's one example that he used in that episode and that is of a building inspector. So he had a chat with the building inspector. I think it was either him or one of his students had a chat with the building inspector. And then this person had a, a chat with this inspector and he found out that the inspector did something every day, which was go into buildings, take pictures of certain parts of the building, and then would have to write reports on what those pictures were to kind of put them into a portfolio for that particular building to then ship it off to somebody who was going to grade it or whatever. That was something he did every day and he did that by taking a digital camera, taking the photo, then having to take that chip out, putting it into the computer, uploading it onto the computer and then dragging and dropping that file of the image onto a report page where he then 
typed out the report there. It just became this huge process that took hours and he hated to do. So this person, this idea came out of that, which is a software, I think it's an iPad application that allows a person to, using an iPad, take pictures, which automatically gets placed into a template where then people can add the text that goes along with it and with a couple pushes of a button, have it be sent to whoever it needs to be sent to. And this is something that building inspectors then pay a monthly recurring fee for to have access to and are happily able to do that or happily want to do that. And actually, along with this teaching, these teachings in this episode, Dane also talks about how you're able to actually get these things created. It's the software developed kind of free for free by having your target customers, these people who, who are helping you figure out what these ideas are, actually pay you ahead of time. Pre-pay, you're pre-selling this idea or the, the, the eventual creation of this idea from the customers who will eventually pay for it. And, and it just becomes this great, great, great episode that has helped so many people. So I recommend you check it out. It's again, smartpassiveincome.com slash session 46. It'll walk you through the process of that. Of that. I don't wanna go through the entire process here because we have a, a lot of other things to talk about. And again, this is just an overview of all the different things that are involved with a lot of these things so that you can see which one resonates with you and then you can go deeper into it if you'd like. Now, I do have a success story of my own in relation to software coming off of my dreadful $15,000 lesson that I'm happy to share. I always share it as much as possible because I want to make the most of that 15 grand loss and have it be a win for you to not make those same mistakes that I did. And hopefully I did that for you already in this episode, but I do have a win to share in regards to software. I do have a software product out right now and it's doing really well. You can find it at smartpodcastplayer.com. And these are for people who have a podcast who share their podcast on their website, which most podcasters do. And as most podcasters might know, there aren't many options out there in terms of creating a great listening experience and having a good looking player that has other functionalities other than a play button and a pause button and a volume uh, slider. Well, that's what this particular piece of software does. It allows you to enhance that listener experience. And from my point of view, a lot of people listen to the first time on your website. That's where they discover your podcast for the first time sometimes. It's not always through iTunes. Actually, I did, I did a, I, I found out that over 50% of my audience uh, or nearly 50%, excuse me, listen not on iTunes or through subscription, but through the first time on my website. And I think about the typical user experience with that. It's not that very good. And it doesn't allow people to get deeper into my episodes or listen to new ones or have them share those episodes or even capture them as a subscriber. So that's what my podcast player does. And so again, you can find it at smartpodcastplayer.com. And I took a lot of what I learned from before and incorporated it into this. For one, this was actually something that I created for myself. And then after sharing it with others, I learned that it was something that other people wanted too. So I had validated it before I actually turned it into something that could be distributed because since it was custom made for myself first, it wasn't built in a way that I could distribute it and sell it. It was just easily built on my website. Then we spent a lot of time making sure it had features that people wanted and also uh, ripping out features that we had ideas for or other people, ha people had ideas for and just narrowing it down to the ones that people wanted the most. So we talked a lot with beta users. We actually sold it first to a group of beta users who got it for an early bird price to get people in slowly to get feedback from them. And also we told them, you know, this is the beta version. You are champion users, charter users of this software. So there may be bugs. We're going to prepping them ahead of time so that in case if it did break, they wouldn't be upset. They would know that that's a part of the process. You let us know when those bugs happened and there were bugs and we got them squashed thanks to them. But also they were great at giving us 
potential features for what we could put in there. And it became a huge, huge asset for us to have that beta group that we've now since incorporated a lot of their advice and strategies and just features into into the software. One of, one of the favorite features is the speed control. So people on the front end on your website can listen to your website at one time speed, one and a half, two or three times speed. And um, that's something that's not available on any other player. And that was a request from a number of the different users in that beta group. And uh, that's that's increased sales. That's been a great feature, a favorite feature of a lot of uh, users now. This also has uh, currently has a recurring fee because with software, you want to make sure that you have the resources available to keep customer service up, up to date and on top of things. So that's the one thing that I'm learning now uh, with this successful software, one that I finally launched, is that customer service is extremely, extremely important. It makes me wonder what would happen if those softwares that I built earlier, those WordPress plugins, if those were successful, how would I, how would I have handled customer service? I mean, since then, there's been hundreds of different versions of WordPress uh, themes and, and, and WordPress itself that have come out. I, I would have had to update things over time, and how would I have I've been able to do that on my own? I, I wouldn't have. So I now have a, a customer service team that is helping manage the tickets that come in if there are any bugs and we squash them as soon as possible it gets answered right away and a lot of people have appreciated how well the customer service is for the smart podcast player so if you want to email support for whatever reason you can email support at smartpodcastplayer.com also check out smartpodcastplayer.com itself if you're interested in that particular plugin and tool to help you enhance the experience just make your podcast look awesome on your website too uh, other lessons i learned was I, I took it a little bit slower not just for validation purposes, but for the development of it too. We definitely designed it before we created it also just to see what it would look like before we actually put any code behind it. So we had uh, Dustin, who's my designer, uh, my, my awesome designer, create a wireframe of it in Photoshop. So it looked very real and you know so real that you almost wanted to click on it. And that turned into what you see today on smartpassiveincome.com and the podcast and also on askpat.com and several other websites around the web too. So that's uh, that that's that kind of software. And the last thing I want to share with you in terms of software, it's not necessarily software and not even something that you could necessarily uh, do recurring payments for, but it is something that I know a lot of people are succeeding with, and that is selling digital goods. And, you know, not information, but actually software that is a one-time fee. And a good example of this is, is my good buddy, Cole, Cole Joseph Humphreys over at colesclassroom.com. You know, he teaches photography and he has a number of great success stories under his belt. He's been doing very well. He came on the show a long time ago to talk about how a guest post actually that somebody posted on his site became the inspiration to create a course about that particular topic and then has started his whole venture into online business and doing extremely well with his photography classes and stuff. But another thing that's doing really well for him is his Lightroom uh, plugins or Lightroom add-ons. I, I don't know even know what they're exactly called, but there's a particular piece of software that photographers use. It's called Lightroom. It's by Adobe. And there are certain plugins you can use to create almost these instant filters for you. So if you have a photo that you put on there, you can use certain people's presets that would then add a certain you know layer of stuff to make your photos look in a, a certain way, a different style. And so he sells those. And those are different things that you just plug and play into that particular software. I've purchased software from the guys over at coveractionpro.com, which are essentially actions that you put in your Photoshop to create certain book covers and DVD covers and, and, and things like that. So you can, you know, in an automated uh, 3D kind of way. So again, not necessarily software in terms of an application, but it is a digital good that 
kind of plugs into a particular piece of software that uh, that people can download. I've also had a niche site a long time ago that sold electronic versions of wedding invitations. So PDF files of wedding invitations. So that was a digital good that people could download too. And, you know, that made like, I think 20 bucks and it was just ex- purely experimental, but it was kind of cool to see that happen. And it just took a day or two to set up. And, uh, you know, I've since let that one go because it was just kind of not really going anywhere. There wasn't much search, but anyway, that's that. So as a reminder, I recommend if you were interested in getting into the software business, checking out smartpassiveincome.com slash session 46. And also there's a great episode with uh, Nathan Berry from convertkit.com. He's created this SaaS uh, email service provider, the email service provider that I currently use. That's convertkit.com. If you want to check out ConvertKit, you can go to smartpassiveincome.com slash convertkit. That's my affiliate link. But also this episode is a very honest episode from Nathan in terms of his account and building the software and how long it has taken and kind of where the inflection point is and what has happened to have it become a success uh, that it is today. So go ahead and check that out. It is episode 185. If you go to smartpassiveincome.com slash session 185, you can go ahead and listen to that. And uh, yeah, so so that's software. Now, finally, I want to talk about something that on the surface might not seem very passive, and that is coaching and one-on-one consultations and freelancing and that sort of thing. These are things that do require your time in order for you to make money. And when you stop, you don't get to make any more money because you're not using your time. And coaching and consulting and freelancing can be super rewarding. I've done each of those things and I enjoy those things very much. But of course, I'm trying to build a business that will work for me instead of me working for my business. Now, when you're just starting out, creating passive income is very difficult because a lot of times it might take uh, an audience, which takes time to build. It takes a lot of, uh, you know, if you don't have that audience, it's going to take a lot of networking and building relationships, which takes time too, or a lot of, you know, some cash to bring cold traffic to your website and your offer. So it's going to take those things to get started. If you are looking for income sooner, then I would recommend going the coaching route, the consulting route, or the freelancing route. This allows you to share your skills and have people pay to get access to you and what you have to offer them. And, you know, particular freelancing is something that's very smart because then you could work under somebody's wing. And if that person is in the same space that you're trying to get into or interested in, you can pick up a lot on the relationships that are in that space as somebody working for somebody who's in that in that uh, arena You can also get a lot of great advice and almost mentorship from that person along the way too. Plus you'd be starting to work and focus in that space too. If you're a writer, for example, who is working for somebody who is in the fitness space, you're gonna be writing a lot of fitness stuff and you might be able to find your voice through that work and then eventually create your own thing. And so, uh, you know, freelancing, although it is time for money, you are putting time and investing time in your own education and in the skills that you have and actually improving those skills and learning about that industry and building those relationships so that you can then potentially create something on your own too. With that said, there are ways that you can pacify. No, wait, I don't, I don't think that's the right word. That's, uh, that means to quell the anger uh, or bring peace to a country, but that's not what I mean. Uh, to pacifistness, uh, there, there are ways to make these types of businesses that you need to trade your time for money. Uh, th- there is a way to make them passive. That's what I was trying to say. And the number one way to do this or the way to think about it is to productize these services. So, so you have a service, you're doing something, you are creating designs, for example, for people, or you are doing 
writing for people. And there is a way to productize those services so that you are not the one doing those things and they become not a thing where you work with each of these people individually, but people go to you knowing and selecting from a series of packages or different products that you have to offer where they get those same results, but they go to you knowing that that's what they're gonna get. Now, that might sound a little confusing, but here's an example. So let's say, for example, you're a writer, like I was talking about earlier, and you typically work with people in the fitness industry, and people hire you, and you work with them, and they work with you to figure out how many articles you write and what topics these things are about, and um, you know, you 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 have to negotiate with each of these different clients on on how much your time is worth and you know all that stuff. And of course, there's like a lot of re-edits and all those things. And sometimes there's more, sometimes there's less. Well, when you productize that service, instead of working with each of those clients one on one and negotiating different deals with each of them, it's more like, here's what I offer. I will give you ten articles per month. And each of those articles will have two re-edits max and that will cost you $2,000 and that's it. That's like, you're telling them what you're going to get and maybe they would pay more for more re-edits or more articles or, you know, pay less for less articles or no re-edits and that sort of thing. But you are essentially making your services and turning those things into a product. Now this, that's just one example but there's a number of different examples that are mentioned in a previous podcast episode that features Brian Castle, who came on the show to blow people's minds and talk about productizing a service-based business. And that is episode 158, which is called How to Productize Your Service-Based Business. And you can check that out at smartpassiveincome.com slash session 158. And he actually gives you a cheat sheet and he talks about his own examples uh, coming from somebody who was doing design before. And so a really, really smart way to approach it. And you know, you might be wondering, well, you're still writing those articles. Well, he talks a lot about having other people work under you to create those things that you then deliver as deliverables to your clients or customers or people you're doing freelance work to. So productizing your service in terms of the packaging, but also having people on your team to help you create those things for you too. This is something that I've had to learn how to do, not productizing my service, but just building a team. But over the past couple of years, I've just seen massive, massive results. I mean, 10Xing a whole bunch of processes in my business to uh, big and, and I give credit to my team for helping to do that. So again, I recommend that podcast episode. If you have or are thinking about getting into some sort of service-based business at first, or maybe you're in that now and you're trying to get out or you are looking to make money sooner than later with the coaching or consulting or freelancing, that, that sort of thing, check out this podcast episode. It's going to help you quite a bit. Smartpassiveincome.com slash session one. Five, eight. Again, smartpassiveincome.com slash session 158. So we have come to the end of these series of podcast episodes that are helping you understand kind of what your options are and what things you can do. And, you know, there's a lot of methods and strategies and tactics and, and even business models that you can use to generate an income online and build your passive income empire and, and, and start to f experience financial freedom in that way. But at the core of what makes a business successful and what allows you to generate an income online is the fact that you are serving a particular audience. You're picking a niche. You are helping them solve their problems. That's what a business is. It's a solution to a particular problem. And the better you could understand what that problem is, the better you could understand what your target audience is going through, the better your solutions will be and the better your results will be too. 
Your earnings are a byproduct of how well you serve your audience. I truly believe that. I practice that. I teach that. And I pass that down to you. And hopefully you will incorporate that into your business too. So I want to commend you for getting through these three episodes. Maybe this is the first one you listen to. Well, if it is, I recommend you listen to the other two in this particular series, 192 and 193. You can go back and listen to those starting at smartpassiveincome.com slash session 192. Same thing with session 193 in this one. If you want to get the show notes, if you want to leave a comment, if you want to just say thanks, or if you have any comments about this particular series or this particular episode, just leave a comment over at smartpassiveincome.com slash session 194. Hey, really quick, I wanna let you know about a page on the website that might be really helpful for you. A lot of you are already taking action on what you've heard on the podcast, which is fantastic, but a lot of you have also messaged me asking for more, deeper information, more fine-tuned and highly targeted information for specific problems and pains that you might be having. So what I did was I actually put together a few courses. There's more courses actually coming down the road, uh, but you could check out all the courses and things that are available to you there at smartpassiveincome.com slash courses. My team and I have worked really hard to put together the best information that'll help you solve specific problems that you might be having in your business. So if you're just starting out and you need help and you need accountability, handholding, you want a community behind this as well, check it out, smartpassiveincome.com slash courses. You can see what's available there. All different kinds of courses to help you through a number of different things you might be working on. And like I said, there are more courses coming down the road too. So one more time, smartpassiveincome.com slash courses. And all I can say is, Thank you, and I look forward to serving you in the next episode of the Smart Passive Income Podcast. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to the Smart Passive Income Podcast at www.smartpassiveincome.com.